0: It's a
1: new day. Hear His word. Let us pray. The sunrise, morning, show. And a way to start
0: your day.
2: It is All Hallows Eve this Tuesday, the 31st day of the month of October. Let's begin together in prayer in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Lord, your word cuts away all that is contrary to your will. Grant us the gift of obedience. Your word descends from above to restore a fallen world. Transform us by the power of the cross, regardless of the cost. Your word enslaves the enslavers, sin and death. Give us the courage to accept the gift of freedom. Your word brings joy to the sorrowful. Teach us compassion toward every human need. O God, you sent your word to conquer all the powers of sin and death. Make us true to your word, that our praise and our lives might give you delight through Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. It is a better way to start your All Hallows Eve. Tomorrow's All Saints Day. But as you know, some people tend to celebrate the Eve of All Saints. Much, much, much more than they celebrate All Saints Day, which would be weird. It'd be like celebrating Christmas Eve, but like completely ignoring Christmas. But that's what the culture does. However, it's not what we do as Catholics. Tomorrow's the big day. It is the Sunrise Morning Show. Thank you for being along here on a Tuesday morning. I'm Matt Swaim. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Ackman at the controls. Travis has our cameras up and running. You can view the video feed in the show notes at sunrisemorningshow.com. Up this hour, Dr. Leonard De Lorenzo continues our series on his book, God Who Questions. We'll check in with Marlon De La Torre from the Diocese of Columbus. De- Stephen Gray Donis has some Halloween viewing recommendations as well, including some films that are on the Vatican film list. If you didn't know, that's an actual thing. So please do stay with us if you can. Right now, it is two minutes past the hour. Here's Anna Mitchell with news.
3: Good morning. Israel says it is expanding its ground operation in Gaza. This comes as fighting between Israel and Hamas stretches past the three-week mark. More than 9,000 people have been killed in total on both sides of the conflict since Hamas attacked Israel on October 7th. Over the weekend, talks between the two sides to free some of the more than 200 hostages held by Hamas reportedly stalled. Israeli officials have said a female soldier that had been kidnapped by Hamas during the October 7th attack had been freed during Israel's ground operation in Gaza on Monday. Meanwhile, the Latin Patriarch of Jerusalem this weekend consecrated the Holy Land to the Virgin Mary as calls for humanitarian aid and a ceasefire intensify. From Vatican Radio, Sister Nina Benedict of Kropic reports.
4: Celebrating Mass in the Marian Shrine of Deir rafat the Patriarch consecrated the church, all humanity, the peoples of the Middle East, and especially the people of the Holy Land to the Blessed Virgin Mary. In the consecration act he invoked Mary's help amid the war gripping the Holy Land. He prayed that she might watch over those who suffer, flee from bombardments, or have lost family members. In the war, we now knock on the door of your heart, he prayed. We are your beloved children. We are confident that in the most troubled moments of our history, you will not be deaf to our supplication and will come to our aid. Patriarch Pizzapalla prayed the Blessed Mother to guide world leaders and those who decide the destiny of nations so that they might decide according to justice and truth and work for the common good. We have run out of the wine of hope. Joy has fled. Fraternity has faded, he said. We have forgotten our humanity and squandered the gift of peace. How greatly we need your maternal help. I'm Sister Nina Benedicta Krapich.
3: The Vatican Secretary for Relations with States has spoken with the foreign minister of Iran. The Holy See released a statement saying Archbishop Paul Gallagher's, Archbishop Paul Gallagher, quote, expressed the Holy See's serious concern about what is happening in Israel and Palestine, reiterating the absolute necessity to avoid escalating the conflict and to achieve a two-state solution for a stable and lasting peace in the Middle East, end quote. United Auto Workers will be headed back to work soon. Mark Mayfield reports.
5: The union reached a tentative deal with GM that puts an end to the strike that began more than six weeks ago. GM is the last of Detroit's big three automakers to reach a deal after the UAW reached an agreement with Stellantis over the weekend and with Ford last week. The new deals include boosts in wages and benefits, reduces an eight-year path to top wages to three years, and allows the right to strike over any plant closures. The new agreements must be ratified by members at each of the three automakers. I'm Mark Mayfield.
3: The Philadelphia 76ers are making a blockbuster trade with the Clippers. CSPN reporting Philadelphia is sending 10-time NBA All-Star James Harden, P.J. Tucker, and Philippe Petrusive to Los Angeles in exchange for Marcus Morris Sr., Nicholas Batum, Robert Covington, Kenyon Martin Jr., multiple draft picks, and a pick swap. Harden notably notably requested a trade in the offseason after publicly clashing with the 76ers president. And the Rangers are now just two wins away from their first ever World Series title. They defeated the Arizona Diamondbacks 3 to 1 in game 3 of the World Series in Phoenix yesterday. The teams meet up again for game 4 tonight in Phoenix.
2: It'll be exciting. I got to see how uh how late the game starts. You know, those 8 p.m. starts are kind of rough. Yeah. When you got to get up in the morning. Yeah. Can't can't do much one of, team uh, watching is of the muddy night football or the baseball.
3: time zone. And Arizona's weird. They have they don't even participate in daylight saving time. I shouldn't I shouldn't say. Weird, I kind of don't want probably. to either. Yeah, I don't want to either. I think is it this this I think it's weekend? this weekend.
2: I think it's this weekend. Yeah. You know, on a Monday night, the only thing I can stay up for is maybe like an hour. If it starts mm-hmm. at eight o'clock. Yeah. Namely The Journey Home on EWTN, I television feel you, man. and radio. I Last night, you, Kevin Schinkel on. You should go check out his episode. Nice. He's a good dude. Nice.
3: What's that website, Matt?
2: Oh, well, there are many, but chnetwork.org. CH for you to CH- find all the all the episodes. Including the episodes. Anna Mitchell. I just uh reposted on our Coming Home Network social media an episode I did of Coming Home Network Presents with a couple of former fundamentalist Baptists who, like me, were not allowed to celebrate Halloween.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: And all the nuances of how we came to discover this uh, whole All Saints Day, All Souls Day, the whole bit of it when we became Catholic.
3: By the way, today the, what, 506th anniversary of the 95 Theses?
2: I don't want to talk about it. Okay.
3: It's All Hallows' Eve, Tuesday, October the 31st. Happy to have you along with us here on the Sunrise Morning Show on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. It's seven past. Back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Dr. Leonard DeLorenzo with the McGrath Institute for Church Life at Notre Dame. He's host of the Church Life Today podcast, and we're going through his book, A God Who Questions. Good morning, Dr. DeLorenzo. Good morning, Annie. So today we are going to be reflecting on the question from Jesus, why do you call me good? And uh, this taken from Mark chapter 10, verses 17 through 22, which I will read right now. And as he was setting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good but God alone. You know the commandments, do not kill, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. And he said to him, teacher, all these I have observed from my youth. And Jesus, looking upon him, loved him and said to him, you lack one thing. Go sell what you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. At that at that saying, his countenance fell. And he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. So Jesus asks, why do you call me good? But he doesn't wait for the man to respond. That's kind of interesting, isn't it?
6: Well, I think the whole response is interesting. It, yeah. it, on, first, on first reading, on first glance, it seems like, man, this is just kind of a rude encounter, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah. This guy comes up, he asks a question that matters. He comes to the right person to ask it. And the response that he gets, this question, "Why do you call me good?" seems seems at first blanche uh, dismissive of his intent. and like we find so often with the responses of Jesus, just moves the whole encounter onto a different plane. So as you rightly note, he does respond with the question but then doesn't even let the man answer. He goes and he recites the commandments. But if we're paying attention, we notice, he doesn't recite all the commandments. He recites only the commandments that we would say are on the second tablet, the commandments about love of neighbor. And right before that, he says, no one is good but God alone. As Mm -hmm. it turns out, this entire encounter is about God alone. But that's not quite, it seems, what the young man was
7: looking for.
3: Right. So what do you think then is the link? Because he, you know, the the young man says, you know, teacher or the rich man says, teacher, all these I have observed from my youth. And then Jesus tells him to lack one thing. Go sell what you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. Do you think there's a link between this idea of selling all your possessions and giving them to the poor and loving God, the other part of the commandments that he doesn't mention right away?
6: That indeed is what I think this entire encounter is about. It's about Mm -hmm. the love of God, even though Jesus recites the commandments about love of neighbor, we might think of all people, Jesus should know all the commandments, and yet he doesn't name the ones about love of God. But what is absolutely at the foundation of this encounter is that all throughout the Old Testament, as written right through all of Jewish wisdom, is that the acts of almsgiving, that is giving to the poor, are counted and reckoned as an act of fidelity to God. And we might think that almsgiving stays on the level of love of neighbor. You're giving it to another person. You're seeing their need and responding to it. But what occurs all throughout the Old Testament, what Jesus here is putting into play, is the fact that giving alms to those who cannot pay you back, investing in them, is actually an investment in the security that God provides because you yourself as the alms giver are relying on God to count that as given to him and to pay you back. In fact, in Proverbs, it says that quite freely and elsewhere it does as well, that the one who gives to the poor, God will put himself in the place of the debtor. In other words, he will take the debt upon himself. And at the end of this encounter, Jesus says, you know, go give your possessions to the fo- the poor and you will have treasures in heaven. The treasures in heaven are those which God reckons. It's God's repayment that's at play here.
3: Well, the interesting how you say this, because I'm thinking of the church fathers who often when when talking about the the, uh, you know, the three practices during Lent, for instance, mm-hmm. prayer, fasting and almsgiving. Except many of them said prayer, fasting and mercy. And mm. and so I feel like there's this this dual nature to, to alms giving because as, as you were just mentioning, God will take on the dead himself, but um, to give mercy in in the way that the the church fathers are talking about, like to be mm. able to to equate mercy and alms giving, that is Jesus being the giver as well.
6: Mm. Yeah. And mercy is charity turned towards suffering. So God is charity. God is the one who is the font and the source of all charity. But when it's in response to our suffering, our need, our sin, our poverty, that charity takes the nature of mercy. It is charity turned towards suffering. And so for us who exercise mercy, what we must do is recognize the real suffering of another, and respond to it in some way, in, in in a sense, actually in reality, to align ourselves with that suffering, to, to share in it in some way by doing something about it. And so the almsgiving here is an act of mercy. It is a way of recognizing what is lacking in the other and doing something about it concretely, directly, for the sake of the other.
3: Well, and then isn't that sort of taking on our nature is being made in the image and after the likeness of God, does that make us good then by being, ah. by taking on that nature?
6: Yeah, quite nice. I love that. We become, we grow into the likeness of God. We're made in God's image for his likeness and we become more conformed. We can say to God's way of being and God's way of loving when we engage in the almsgiving, the mercy dealing that is commanded here. This young man, let's remember, came forward and asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And it seems at first like Jesus almost dismisses him, dismisses him with a question. Why do you call me good? But in the end, Jesus will tell him this is how to inherit eternal life. This is what true goodness is. It's not contained within the boundaries that you have set in this exchange beforehand. It's actually to go beyond your boundaries to divest yourself of your own possessions and to give those to the poor who are in need of them so that you and they may be made one together. That's eternal life. It's communion more than anything else.
3: Well, thank you so much, Dr. Leonard DeLorenzo. The book is called A God Who Questions from our Sunday visitor, and you can find it linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Don't forget to uh, click that subscribe button so you can get all the info in your inbox every morning as we go on the air. Now let's take a look at weather across the nation. Lots of kiddos wondering what the weather is going to be like this evening. Well, a potent cold front will slowly east south across the eastern U.S. for Halloween. This will mainly bring rain showers to the far southern plains, central Gulf Coast, southeast and southern mid-Atlantic throughout the day. However, there could be some lingering rain and mountain snow showers in the northeast This morning and early this afternoon, the Northern Plains and Upper Mississippi Valley into the Great Lakes Midwest and Ohio Valley could see some light to moderate snow showers today. The Western U.S. and majority of the Central and Southern Plains will get dry weather, but it will be chilly or possibly bitterly cold air in place for most of those areas. So you're going to be wearing a coat tonight over your costume. 16 pass now on the Sunrise Morning Show. Back with headlines right after this.
2: Support for the Sunrise Morning Show is from Visiting Angels. Visiting Angels provides experienced, compassionate care to millions of aging adults nationwide by keeping them safe and healthy in the comfort of their own home. Whether it's a short break for caregivers or for long-term assistance, Visiting Angels provides hygiene, meals, light housework, companionship, and more. And services are available up to 24 hours per day. Visiting Angels – online at visitingangels.com. That's visitingangels.com. Franchise opportunities available.
0: Are you looking for peace? Longing for joy? Want to meet the giver of all goodness? God is calling the laity to bring Ignatian prayer into a suffering world. Work for the new evangelization. Go to lordteachmetopray.com. Order your free digital training and manual. Find true happiness and everlasting joy. Go to LordTeachMeToPray.com and click on the red button today. It's free, approved by the usccb Business
7: owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com.
2: Saints Alive is a radio theater podcast for kids that tells the story of the saints filled with adventure, heroism, virtue, and humor. You can hear Saints Alive as well as faith-filled podcasts from our friends and affiliates across the nation, all in one place, all free at EWTN Podcast Central. Visit EWTNradio.net slash podcasts today. 18 minutes past the hour. Here's Anna Mitchell with headlines.
3: The Latin patriarch of Jerusalem this weekend consecrated the Holy Land again to the Blessed Virgin Mary. And meanwhile, the Biden administration says it does not support a ceasefire between Israel and Hamas at this time. Pope Francis met yesterday with women who have cut family ties with organized crime. And the United Auto Workers strike appears to be over.
2: News at the top and bottom of each hour, every weekday morning here on the Sunrise Morning Show. So it is all Hallow's Eve, and uh, lots of kids could be dressed up doing candy. Lots of people preparing tomorrow for All Saints Day processions. Mm-hmm. So yep. I would love to know what people are dressing up for for those All Saints Day processions. Because yeah. people can get real creative.
3: Yeah, I, I, got I got a
2: coworker from the Coming Home Network who I saw uh, on her Facebook page. She was putting together a, a Mother Teresa sorry for oh cool her daughter yeah and uh, I got she was lamenting you know that she took for granted when her mother used to hand sew all of her costumes because now it's coming back <laughs> now it's coming back on her
3: yep yep totally yeah I've got some work to do um, so actually Roma wanted to dress up tonight as Saint Joan of Arc so all the okay. evening kids are going as various knights. Um, so, you so know what Roma Roma's should do? Roma's actually going to be Saint Therese going I, as. That's
2: what I was going to say. She should go as Saint Therese going yeah. as Joan of Arc. She's
3: got a dress that she's going to wear with. Um, well, I did so something that vaguely remembers, vaguely resembles armor for each of the children. But Tommy, uh, tomorrow, as a kindergartner, is leading the All Saints procession. Ooh eucharistic procession at school and he has chosen saint thomas
2: oh nice um
3: and has insisted that saint thomas wears only brown so okay. i gotta find something brown but he wants his finger to be red
2: oh because of the i and get it
3: finger in the side That's of that, jesus that, that, yeah good, clever stuff Tommy. yeah that was tommy's idea
7: Owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show each weekday morning. Listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah at SacredHeartRadio.com. That's Leah at SacredHeartRadio.com. I'm Father
8: Timothy Shear, and these are Biblical Impressions. Job is one of the most recognizable names in the Bible. We are all familiar with his heartbreaking losses and his determination to seek answers from God. It's easy to overlook the fact that there is another who shares his losses. I'm talking about his wife. She remains unnamed in the book and has just a few lines. But we should admire her down-to-earth attitude as she struggles to understand what has happened to her and her husband. Like Job, she probably felt like wondering why God ever brought her into existence. Job, of course, moves on in his grief, and by the end of the book. He's ready to say that he now understands that everything is a gift from God. I would like to think his wife shared those feelings. She never speaks in the book again, but we do know she stayed by Job's side and that together they were blessed with ten more children. Her story of faith remains untold, but it was surely just as impressive as Job's. For Sacred Heart Radio, I'm Father Timothy Shear.
2: The Sunrise Morning Show continues on this All Hallows Eve, as we were saying coming out of that. Going into the break, if you've got uh, cool Col- Halloween uh, costume ideas that actually work better as all Saints Day procession ideas, I kind of want to know what they are. I'm curious about them. Uh, I love creative Saint costume ideas. They're a blast. The Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Marlon De La Torre from the Diocese of Columbus. Marlon, how are you?
0: Good. How are you, Michael Bucks?
2: Are you wearing uh, Ohio State Buckeye football uniform for your uh, Halloween costume today? You know,
0: what, I won't go that far. I'll just I'll just go as good old dad. About Good
2: that. old dad. You're dressed up as a dad. So, uh... I'm going to be
0: dad today. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Paul Wachman's not a dad, but he's still wearing Crocs with socks, I'm sure, this morning. There you go. All right. So you've written at knowingisdoing.org about a new hermeneutic of faith. All right. So yeah. what are you kind of like getting at here?
0: Sure. It's a good point. I think, you know, in the the annals of of church history, we've seen uh, attempts to somehow misinterpret or reinterpret what what Christ has handed on. And so we see this from time to time, century to century, a person with a novel idea, well, Christ didn't really mean that. Or, you know what, I don't believe that Christ is completely or genuinely present in the Holy Eucharist. Things of that nature that have have popped up um, over the centuries. And the church in her goodness always tries to clarify those misconceptions or the fact that, uh, sin is, it's not a death sentence per se, or that God is actually more accepting of our sins than anything else. And so there's always a nuance there that we encounter with, uh, with certain individuals or just a misinterpretation of teaching. And so, uh, and this unfortunately still happens to this very day. You'll encounter someone who will say, you know what, well, that's not really what the church teaches. Um, The church is accepting of everyone. It's like, well, true, the church welcomes everyone. But if you want to proclaim Christ crucified, if you want to say that you are truly a faithful, baptized Catholic, there are certain elements that are required for you to follow or certain requirements for you to say yes to. That's why we have a creed. That's why we have a profession of faith. It means, amen, I believe. And so when you look at those facets and you say to yourself, all right, if I want to follow Christ, then he's laid a groundwork for me for my salvation. And so my personal preferences or my my my, my personal isms or ideologies, you have to look at those and say, well, are, are those exactly what Christ laid for me? Is that what he's done? And if they're not, then you have to ask yourself, is that what I should follow or hang my head on? And typically it's not, but we, we always have those uh, elements in the church that say, you know, well, maybe this way is much better. Maybe we can change some element of church teaching just to accommodate um, our personal preferences today. So that's really what the, the hermeneutic of faith or the new hermeneutic of faith or new interpretation really is uh, defined as.
2: Well, it's easy to, you know, stand back. At a distance and say, and this is what the culture is doing right now. Well, of course, that that's that's all good and well. I'm not concerned about the soul of the culture. I'm concerned about my soul, Marlon. Like mm-hmm. I want to <laughs> know where I'm doing this, <laughs> right? Correct. Because the uh, uncomfortable truth is that all of us read through the catechism. Find something that makes us squirm, or that we're like, ah, this is probably not more. This is probably not as important as some of these other things, you know, that are in here. I can move on from here and focus on the stuff that I'm good at, right? Correct. I think we all want to take that approach, uh, whether that's in regard to morality, whether it's in regard to Catholic social teaching, whether it's in regard to like the really uncomfortable stuff that Jesus and the Catechism both say about the murderous nature of gossip. Like, we all want to take a look. Mm-hmm. At the rules and say, well, but you do you? We don't have to do that part, really, right? I mean, Correct. we all want to take a look like that.
0: Correct. We have this tendency. Is I mean, this is consistent even when I when I was a high school principal and religion teacher, the kids would tell me, how far can I go before the church defines it as a sin? Or is it really a sin? Or what can I do to, to somehow get away with this? And, you know, the, the church doesn't really mean that, does it? And, I mean, the, the, this happens from the very onset of our, of our early stages of life. We try to find a, a deviation or, or an alternative to what the church really prescribes. And so it's, it's, it's kind of a funny thing that we, we deal with this on a daily basis. And, and we're trying to tell anyone who will listen. as it look, look my, my intention is to tell you the truth, not because I'm judging you. Because I want your salvation. I desire for you to be at home with our Lord in heaven one day. And there is a path to that. And that path means uh, a redemptive aspect. It's a carrying of the cross. It's embracing the suffering that he endured for our sanctity and salvation that we in turn are to carry that forth as well. Uh, that's the ultimate aim because heaven is, is far greater than any capacity of our human existence here on earth. And so uh, th- this is should be the, the message that we espouse every day.
2: Well, and you think, too, about the way that Christ escalates some of these laws that were already uncomfortable. I mean, I'm just thinking mm-hmm. back to the readings from this past week that were pretty rough, right? Uh, don't Absolutely. wrong aliens because you are aliens in the land of Egypt. If you wrong mm-hmm. a widow or orphan and they cry out, I'm going to hear them and I'm going to come and get you, right? If you extort Mm -hmm. the uh, awful situation that a poor person is in, then I'm going to come after you. Well, it's one thing to just be like, oh, well, let's not step across that line. But then Mm -hmm. in the gospel on Sunday, we heard something significantly Mm -hmm. more challenging than that, which is Jesus said, uh, love God with all your heart, but love your neighbor as yourself. Not only Mm -hmm. are you not supposed to cause harm to people (laughs) in delicate situations, you've got to love them. Like man, This is another level of stuff that, again, we can talk our way around, right? We can say, well, you know, whatever. But, you know, this is a challenge that we've got to reckon with if we're going to be
3: Christians.
0: Oh, absolutely. And I think that that that's the uh, the, the pinnacle of it is uh, heaven for, for everyone. And if we can do that, then uh, we're, we're on the right track.
2: Yeah. And that includes, as you were just saying, um, not excusing or explaining away the parts of this whole message that you know maybe we're not good at or maybe you don't want Correct. to reckon with So, Marlon if our listeners want to find you we've got knowingisdoing.org linked at sunrisemorningshow.com thanks as always have a great day
0: appreciate it Matt, go Bucks
2: and you can find Marlon uh, linked at show.com. and in the show notes you can even find the video link to today's show it is half past the hour here's Anna with news
3: Good morning. It'll be back to work soon for United Auto Workers members. This after the union reached a tentative deal yesterday with GM that puts an end to the strike that began more than six weeks ago. GM is the last of Detroit's big three automakers to reach a deal after the UAW had reached an agreement with Stellantis over the weekend and with Ford earlier last week. The new deals include boosts in wages and benefits, reduces an eight-year path to top wages, to three years and allows the right to strike over any plant closures. The Biden administration has has said it does not support a ceasefire between Israel and Hamas at this time. National Security Council spokesman John Kirby told reporters yesterday a ceasefire would only benefit Hamas as Israel is carrying out operations against them. He said U.S. officials are working with Israeli counterparts to minimize civilian casualties in Gaza. This coming as the Israeli prime minister has said a ceasefire with Hamas would be a surrender for Israel. Mark Mayfield has more.
5: Speaking to his nation on Monday, Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu added he's committed to bringing the hostages home. He said Israeli forces have been going out of their way to avoid civilian casualties while Hamas purposely puts civilians in harm's way. His speech came as Israeli forces expand air, sea, and ground operations against Hamas in Gaza. I'm Mark Mayfield.
3: The White House says they're taking action to combat an alarming rise in reported anti-Semitic incidents on college campuses following the outbreak of the war between Israel and Hamas. Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre says the Departments of Justice and Homeland Security are partnering with campus and local law enforcement to address any threats. This coming as Amid rising tensions on college campuses across the U.S. as the conflict in the Middle East continues. The Vatican Secretary of State has expressed support for a Ukrainian plan for peace recently put forward by Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky. Vatican News reports the representatives from more than 65 countries gathered in Malta over the weekend to talk about this plan for peace. Russia had not been invited. Cardinal Pietro Parolin sent a video message to the meeting saying, quote, "It is a commendable effort, one worthy of support, not only because it is aimed at offering a concrete response to various types of damage caused by the war, but also because it encourages us not to consider armed confrontation as an unavoidable tool for resolving conflicts." End quote. Pope Francis yesterday met with women who have cut family ties with organized crime, and he praised their courage. From Vatican Radio, Lisa Zingarini has more.
1: Addressing the group of 50 women accompanied by Don Luigi Ciotti, Pope Francis offered words of encouragement, reminding them that they are not alone in their struggles He recalled that among Jesus' disciples there were also some women who, like men, were not perfect. They were women tested by life, sometimes infected by evil, and Jesus welcomed them with compassion and tenderness, said the Pope. With him they walked the path of liberation. Pope Francis therefore advised the group to always keep a small gospel with them and imagine being with the lord jesus among the disciples in realtà è proprio cosi lui cammina con noi ogni giorno nella strada della vita Indeed, the Pope said, This is exactly what happens. He walks with us every day on the road of life. His cross gives meaning to our crosses, and his resurrection is a source of hope. Concluding Pope Francis said, He accompanies them with his prayers for them and their loved ones, especially their children. Don Luigi ciotti founded Libera in 1995. The organization includes associations, unions and churches who have joined in an effort to challenge the power of corruption and organized crime while promoting social justice and human rights. I am Lisa Zingarini. And
3: the FDA is warning consumers not to use over-the-counter eye drop products from several major brands saying there could be a risk of eye infections that lead to vision loss or even blindness. The the brands include CVS Health, Rite Aid, Target Up and Up, Velocity Pharma, Leader, and Rugby. That's the news. It's 35
1: pounds.
2: Waking up with Mystic Monk Coffee is definitely a better way to start your day. Not only are you getting a great cup of coffee, but your purchase helps support the life of the Carmelite Monks of Wyoming.
3: And your purchase can also help our work. All you need to do is go first to sonricemorningshow.com. When you click the Mystic Monk link on the side of the page, we earn a commission.
2: Support the monks and support the Sunrise Morning Show. Click the Mystic Monk link at SunriseMorningShow.com.
3: That's S-O-N-RiseMorningShow.com.
7: Business owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting The Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on The Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me. Leah at SacredHeartRadio.com That's Leah at SacredHeartRadio.com
9: The Baltimore Catechism asks, When and where are the bread and wine changed into the body and blood of Christ? The bread and wine are changed into the body and blood of Christ at the consecration in the Mass. Ultimately, it's helpful to know when the bread and wine are changed because it's when Jesus says, This is my body. This is my blood. That's when Christ first changed the bread and wine into his body and blood. And so when the priest uses those words in persona Christi at Mass, the same precise thing happens that Christ did at the first Eucharist. And so this helps us to see then that there is a moment in Mass when Christ becomes present through this miraculous change of substance, helping us to love him and adore him, our Lord and our God. Then, receiving Him into our hearts, we are better able to keep the faith until death. Reflecting on the Baltimore Catechism, I'm Dominican Father Ezra Sullivan.
2: A lot of people looking for good Halloween viewing, and there are a lot of very, very bad options out there. But luckily, Deacon Stephen Graydonis is going to talk about some Halloween fare for grown-ups and for kids, and perhaps some of the moral ideas that we can pull out of those films. Deacon Stephen, how are you? Doing well, Matt. How are you? I'm uh, grateful to you that you've never uh, tried to review any Saw movies on this radio show. (laughs) We won't go into that, but what we will go into is some films that uh, people might be interested in watching, and whether or not you have positively reviewed these films because you haven't reviewed all of them positively you could at least look at them and say I can learn something about life from watching this film so uh, you've split these up into grown up and family films
10: and you've started
2: here with The Witch tell us about it
10: so The Witch is possibly my favorite horror movie of all time it's a deeply troubling story Um, the first time film from a filmmaker named Robert Eggers, and it's an immersion into the nightmares of Puritan settlers in America. Uh, It's the story about how the forces of darkness take apart a family, uh, despite their faith in God and their efforts to invoke God's help through prayer. And that troubled me a great deal until I realized that part of the point of the story is that the family has abandoned the plantation out of spiritual pride, out of the father's conviction that he's the only one in town who preaches the true gospel. So there's a schism there that reflects the schism of the, the Puritans coming over from England and, and the Anglican schism and, and ultimately going all the way back to the Garden of Eden. So I ultimately see it as a very Christian story in in spite of uh, the triumph of evil in the end.
2: Yeah, so you trying to do all of the spiritual work yourself is a bad idea if you're going to face the entire forces of evil. That's just generally speaking a good uh, principle to follow. So um, now you've reviewed Midnight Mass, and you had a very, you had very mixed feelings about it, um, but uh, tell us about maybe a lesson that you took away from watching that Netflix uh, limited
10: series. It's It's Uh, My my response to it is mixed Uh, overall. I like Midnight Mass more than I don't, but one of the things that I didn't talk about in my review, which I think is really important, is kind of the opposite lesson from The Witch, where The Witch is kind of about the the spiritual dangers of Lone Rangerism. Midnight Mass is about the pathologies that can spread and do great harm within a religious community, Uh, and this is something certainly that many of us have become very aware of in recent years, how the norms of a community, and the expectations can get people to go along with things that they should never go along with, and how that can do great harm, the spiritual abuse that can, uh, that can be normalized within a community of faith. This is something that's portrayed with great psychological realism and insight in Midnight Mass. All right, how about the Babadook? So The Babadook is the story of a single mother uh, trying to take care of her son and dealing with some really sinister goings-on that ultimately turn out to be less demonic or supernatural than really psychological. It's ultimately a story about mental illness and about trying to strike a balance in your life um, and, and learning to manage it rather than ultimately banish it. That's the most interesting thing to me about The Babadook is that it ends on what you could call a happy note, but there's still an element of darkness because mental illness is something that you can learn to manage, but you never completely defeat it. All
2: right. So uh, as we're going through uh, movies that maybe people are interested in watching this Halloween that uh, might have a moral lesson to take away from them, finally, for grownups, you've uh, put on the list, let the right one in.
10: Yeah, these are all movies for grown-ups. These are all dark and sometimes very violent and bloody movies. And Let the Right One In, Like the Witch, was a movie that disturbed me until I figured it out. It's a story of a seeming friendship between a boy and uh, what seems to be a young girl is actually a a young-looking vampire. And the element of darkness doesn't come out until you realize what's really going on here. This isn't a friendship. This young vampire, who has a, an older human familiar that is outliving his usefulness, is grooming a replacement. So she finds a boy who has angry, violent emotions, who's a loner, who's outcast, and, and she turns him into someone who will ultimately be willing to kill for her for the rest of his life. And, and this really reflects the reality that violent. And angry angry emotions can make someone vulnerable to to radicalization to um, uh, seducing them to to go down much darker paths than if they they, if they were surrounded by healthy community
2: yeah this is uh, how the church talks about the wounds of concupiscence being exploited by the tempter right in uh, catechism starting around paragraphs 380 or so so family viewing uh, kids movies that might be popping up this halloween and lessons that can be taken from those start with over the garden wall
10: this is a delightful 10-part mini-series of little 10-minute shorts. Uh, it's been around since 2014, but from my family, we discovered it this year, and we just loved it. It's the story of two young brothers who are alone in the unknown, uh, trying to find their way home. And I don't want to say much more than that uh, to avoid uh, spoiling it, but I will say that it's ultimately about the deceptiveness of evil and the importance of hope and open mindedness in the face of the strangeness of the world really really delightful uh series over the garden wall
2: all right you got some neil gaiman on here too
10: uh, Line, which is just a, a, is a stone-cold classic, a film that I love so much. We watch it every year uh, at this time, and it's about many things. It's about pride. It's about imagination. But ultimately, it's about learning to find satisfaction in life as it is and the potentially destructive power of dissatisfaction and brooding over the things in life that aren't what you want them to be.
2: All right. Now, of course, uh, this is the ultimate transition piece movie for this weekend, which is The Nightmare Before Christmas. Uh, What do you take away from that one?
10: Nightmare Before Christmas and Coraline, both from director Henry Selick, by the way. Uh, Nightmare Before Christmas is a less mature work than Coraline, um, but it's, it's a really fun musical. And to me, this is a movie about how, to everything, there is a season, and specifically for every mood. That there's a place in our life for the joys of Christmas, and also a place for enjoying the spookiness of Halloween.
2: It all fits together now, the last one you don 't have a lesson for, but it 's the one that we watch every year in my house
10: in our year it, it alternates with the nightmare before Christmas, but before I mention, I just want to throw out one other film that we, we watched last night, uh, vampires vs. the bronx uh, this is a, This is a great film for um, uh, for older kids and up, I would say. Uh, I watched it with, with our 12-year-old and up, and, and we all had, had a blast watching it. Uh, Vampires in the Bronx, this is a story about community loyalty and vampirism in, in the story is a, is a metaphor for gentrification. Uh, but the movie you're talking about is which I just love so much, is Wallace and Gromit, Curse of the Were-Rabbit. This is a kind of love letter to classic Hollywood horror movies and also to great comedy. And when I sat down to say, what moral lesson can I eke out of this? I mean, I, I'm not going to deny that I had a couple of thoughts, but at the end of the day, yeah, you know what, uh, of course I, I just, it's just a it great. Would just be, it would just be a reach. It's just a <laughs> I great have no movie. idea.
2: All right, you want my two very quickly as we're winding up. All right, let's hear him So, since every year I see a ton of people show up at my door dressed as Heath Ledger's Joker, I'm going to go The Dark Knight. The devil wants a lot of things, but mostly he wants chaos. However, mm. because we're made in the image of God, even the most compromised among us is capable of using our free will to act morally. That's that. My sure. one is Monsters, Inc. We should all probably shift our philosophy from we scare because we care to it's laughter <laughs> we're after.
10: And as they say in Nightmare Before Christmas, uh, life's no fun without a good scare. That's our job, but we're not mean. Uh, scariness doesn't have to be malicious.
2: There you have it. There you have it. Decentfilms.com, linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Thanks so much, Deacon Steven. Have a great day.
10: Thank you, Matt. Happy Halloween. All right.
2: And, of course, this all leads up to All Saints Day tomorrow. We're back with headlines right after this. It's 14 till.
11: For more than 150 years... The Comboni Missionaries have served the poorest and most forgotten people. With our founder, St. Daniel Comboni as an inspiration, we work for the full development of the human person through evangelization, education, and advocacy. Your donations make a huge impact, and 95% are used to fund our many projects. Find out more at combonimissionaries.org. That is combonimissionaries.org. For over 500 years, the church-honored spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius of Loyola have formed many
5: saints. This treasured way of personal prayer with God is now available to you for free. Order your free training manual at lordteachmetopray.com and bring Ignatian prayer to others. Lord Teach Me to Pray is approved by the USCCB. Order your free training manual at lordteachmetopray.com. That's lordteachmetopray.com. Lord Teach Me to Pray underwrites the Sunrise Morning Show.
0: Carry the faith wherever you go. Watch your favorite EWTN show, series, or special, or listen to your favorite EWTN radio program at any time, day or night. EWTN On Demand brings all your favorites instantly. Download the EWTN app at EWTNapps.com today.
9: Hi, this is Cy Kellett. Join us later today on Catholic Answers Live as we do our best to explain and defend the Catholic faith. Catholic Answers Live, 6 p.m. Eastern on EWTN Radio. Now, back to Sunrise Morning Show. 12 Till, here's Anna with headlines.
3: The United Auto Workers has reached a tentative deal with GM, which basically puts an end to the strike that began more than six weeks ago. The Latin Patriarch of Jerusalem this weekend consecrated the Holy Land to the Blessed Virgin Mary. And Pope Francis met yesterday with women who have cut family ties with organized crime.
2: News at the top and bottom of each hour every weekday morning here on the Sunrise Morning Show and... It is, among other things, it's the Eve of All Saints, mm-hmm. and uh, we're a couple days out from All Souls Day. Yep. And that is why today uh, is also sort of a bit of a heartbreaking anniversary, as you alluded to earlier. It is Reformation Day,
3: mm-hmm.
2: um, Halloween. You talk about stuff that's scary.
3: Yeah.
2: I mean, dressing up as the 95 Theses is nightmare material. Yep. Uh, but uh, I did want to put something out here. Um, That There's a lot of misunderstanding and misconception about what it is that Luther did on October 31st, 1517. And I'm going to read like a little something that I saw on Twitter this week. And I'm not going to tell you who it's from.
3: Oh, I can't wait.
2: But it's very helpful to kind of knock down some of the myths. So this person writes on Twitter, Luther did not go boldly up to a pristine church door, attract a crowd, and nail the manifesto of the Reformation on the door. That just didn't happen. In all probability, nobody was there or even observed it. There were lots of notices on the door. It was the community bulletin board. The 95 Theses were written by a Roman Catholic monk. They did not contain anything that others had not said and thought before him. There were many who were scandalized by the sale of indulgences, and for good reason. Luther was a professor at a new university. The Theses were an invitation to other universities to engage Wittenberg in debate the equivalent at the time of a football game. This is not to diminish the importance of the topic, of course, but to place it in a context. Luther had no intentions of starting anything other than a debate, period. And that, within the conf- and that within the confines of the established Roman church. He was not looking to get himself excommunicated, I can assure you. But the conditions were right, the fuel was at hand, and the match was lit. So when you see all the paintings of Luther boldly pointing to the theses on the door, hammer in hand with a crowd in awe, it's bunk. But what did happen was just as surely a key step in a process begun long before Luther with Wycliffe, Huss, the Renaissance, and more. End quote. Does that help set some of the myths mm-hmm. and legends
3: Certainly. Aside? I mean, glorifying the, the glorification of Luther by some. The legend sure. has
2: sort of grown in the
3: telling. For sure. But that's not to say that, I mean there's a reason that history points to this day and
2: – I think he sort of – I think it, the, the, he the real got, reason it got attention is because he mailed it. So he he mailed it rather than nailed it.
11: He got know, more and more theories. radical
3: as things went on and people took advantage of that and it became a political fight as Princes got involved, or even more so than it was a religious fight and it spread he got like angrier. wildfire
2: all of it. Yes. Yeah. So do you you don't you're not even a little bit curious as to to who posted that of on Twitter? Of course
3: I'm curious as to who posted that on Twitter.
2: Um that would be from the Twitter feed of James White, a uh, a Protestant apologist known for his very anti-Catholic uh sentiments. Interesting. So what the, was
3: his point? Oh, his point what was What did just he like, say beyond that? Did he have any more in that thread?
2: Oh, that he said some other stuff that was probably not theologically accurate. <laughs> uh nor was it a theologically accurate portrayal of Catholics. But it's interesting to note that even an anti-Catholic apologist who has shared the debate stage with all kinds of Catholic Answers people, Mm -hmm. you know, and debates over justification and sola scriptura and faith alone and that sort of thing, um, even he recognizes that this is sort of a legend blown out of proportion. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: And really, I mean, you'll, you'll see some of this today. On the Twitters. Well, gosh, actually,
3: if it's coming from a Protestant apologist, it's probably Mm -hmm. because when you read the 95 theses, I remember the first time I read those and I was like, they're very boring. This doesn't, I mean.
2: It's not 95 complaints about the Catholic Church on 95 different issues. It's 95 sort of nuanced things related to the selling of indulgences. It's a thrilling, I mean, (sighs) a thrilling (laughs) read.
3: So it's not the, you know, it's not this, yeah. Exactly. Here's
2: the 95 things I don't like about the church. I've read. Uh, or I've the read 95 blog posts things that are, that far are
3: wrong about the church.
2: No, um, that's not that's not what it is. The 95 mm-hmm. theses, but you will see, and and I I noticed it especially on neo-Calvinist Twitter. I've already seen the Happy Reformation Day, like mm-hmm. you know, spike in the football stuff. Yeah. Uh, just so you know, like there is nothing. I don't care whether which side of the debate you fall down on, whether you. Are someone who is part of the Catholic Church, or whether you are part of that original schism, you know, off the Lutheran family tree, or maybe on the Calvinist tree, which is closer to that, or one of those churches that popped up last week. Like, wherever you are on this question, happy is not the word to apply to Reformation Day.
3: Yeah.
2: In John 17, Jesus prays, among other things, that his followers be one, not just because he doesn't like fighting, but because he and the Father are one. And that's how Jesus puts it, right? May they be one just as you and I are one. And this is a heartbreaking reality. It'd be like celebrating the anniversary of a divorce and throwing a big old party and eating cake and saying, hey, isn't it great that this divorce happened? No, it's horrible, right? Mm -hmm. Happy is not the word to apply to Reformation Day.
3: Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm just looking at when in my – I reference this so often now, my Catholic political thought course and um the first uh reading that we had for this particular semester was from Martin Luther his disputation against scholastic theology mm-hmm. which i think is much more um effective if you will in terms of of creating this schism with the church i'm trying to find it i mean it's listed almost like the the 95 theses except there are 97 In this one and there's a lot of stuff that uh, philosophically you're like what in the world is he saying but there's one in here I'm trying to find it and I can't um, as I continue to scroll through but he basically says that one should view excommunication as like a badge of honor Mm. and and there are a few things that he says in there that um, that really became I think um, the fuel for for the the overall Protestant revolt, that this wasn't just something, this wasn't just a, you know, kind of a grumpy monk who came and went and, you know, whatever. Um, his disputations against scholastic theology, I think, and of course, scholastic theology is something that Thomas Aquinas would be you know, one of the main proponents of, and something that has come back very... It'd be a
2: good version, but there are plenty of bad versions. Oh, uh,
3: well, of course. So anyway, that, I think, is what what really fueled the flame yeah. going across Well, at the same own...
2: time, in uh, Catechism Paragraph 818, uh, the church reminds us, we can't charge with the sin of the separation of Luther and the Reformation. Those who are present are born into Protestant families living lives loving Jesus having no idea that they, what the Catholic Church is <laughs> mm-hmm. or, or what the arguments are for that so uh, we got a lot of work to do, yes, we do to reach out in love to reunify the body of Christ Amen. back with another full hour after this it's 3Till
1: Arise it's a new
0: day hear
1: his word sunrise morning show,
3: and to start your day.
2: It is Tuesday, the 31st of October. Uh, let's begin together, uh, since there's a lot of this stuff going around, let's begin with a portion of the breastplate of St. Patrick, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I arise today through a mighty strength, the invocation of the Trinity, through belief in the Threeness through confession of the oneness of the creator of creation. I summon today his power between me and those evils, against every cruel and merciless power that may oppose my body and soul, against incantations of false prophets, against black laws of pagandom, against false laws of heretics, against craft of idolatry, against spells of witches and smiths and wizards, against every knowledge that corrupts man's body and soul. Christ to shield me today against poison, against burning, against drowning, against wounding, so that there may come to me an abundance of reward. I arise today through a mighty strength, of the invocation of the Trinity, through belief in the threeness, through confession of the oneness of the Creator of creation. Amen. Normally pray that one on St. Patrick's Day. Anna Mitchell, did you realize it would be that appropriate for Halloween? St. Patrick? Yeah. Well,
3: against, of course, like, Halloween is an old Celtic pagan festival, right? Got, That's where yeah. its origins are. Right? No,
2: not quite. No,
3: not oh.
2: quite. Not quite. We'll get into that as the morning continues. We, it, is, it is the sunrise morning show. In case you were wondering what we what well, we are here, I'm Matt Sway. and Mitchell has news. Paul Ackman at the controls. Travis is running the cameras. You can watch the video feed in the show notes at Sunrise Morning Show. Dot com Father Frank Donio will discuss ministry and uh, what we mean by ministry. Father Rob Jack uh, will discuss the Illuminative Way of Prayer. Steve Ray will join us for the Luminous Mysteries. He's been discussing the Mysteries of the Rosary with us. And with All Saints Day tomorrow, Chris McGregor is going to look at a selection from the Office of Readings from St. Bernard of Clairvaux about all the saints. So stay with us if you can. Two minutes passed. News of service of Central Fabricators and centralfabricators.com. Here's Anna Mitchell.
3: Good morning. The Prime Minister of Israel has said a ceasefire with Hamas is a surrender for his country. Speaking to the nation yesterday, Benjamin Netanyahu added he is committed to bringing hostages home. He said Israeli forces have been going out of their way to avoid civilian casualties while Hamas has purposefully put civilians in harm's way. His speech comes as Israeli forces have expanded air, sea, and ground operations against Hamas in Gaza. Meanwhile, the Latin Patriarch of Jerusalem this weekend reconsecrated the Holy Land to the Blessed Virgin Mary, from Vatican Radio, Sister Nina B- Benedicta Kropic reports.
4: Celebrating Mass in the Marian Shrine of Dierra Rafat, the patriarch consecrated the Church, all humanity, the peoples of the Middle East, and especially the people of the Holy Land to the Blessed Virgin Mary. In the Consecration Act, he invoked Mary's help amid the war gripping the Holy Land. He prayed that she might watch over those who suffer, flee from bombardments, or have lost family members in the war. We now knock on the door of your heart, he prayed. We are your beloved children. We are confident that in the most troubled moments of our history, you will not be deaf to our supplication and will come to our aid. Patriarch Pizzapala prayed the blessed mother to guide world leaders and those who decide the destiny of nations so that they might decide according to justice and truth and work for the common good. We have run out of the wine of hope, joy has fled. Fraternity has faded, he said. We have forgotten our humanity and squandered the gift of peace. How greatly we need your maternal help. I'm Sister Nina Benedicta Krapich.
3: The Vatican's Secretary for Relations with States has spoken with the foreign minister of Iran. The Holy See released a statement saying Archbishop Paul Gallagher, quote, expressed the Holy See's serious concern about what is happening in Israel and Palestine, Reiterating the absolute necessity to avoid escalating the conflict and to achieve a two-state solution for a stable and lasting peace in the Middle East, quote. The United Auto Workers will be headed back to work soon. Mark Mayfield reports.
5: The union reached a tentative deal with GM that puts an end to the strike that began more than six weeks ago. GM is the last of Detroit's big three automakers to reach a deal after the UAW reached an agreement with Stellantis over the weekend and with Ford last week. The new deals include boosts in wages and benefits, reduces an eight-year path to top wages to three years, and allows the right to strike over any plant closures. The new agreements must be ratified by members at each of the three automakers. I'm Mark Mayfield.
3: The FDA is warning consumers not to use over-the-counter eye drop products from several major brands. The agency said there could be a risk of eye infections that could lead to vision loss or even blindness. The brands include CVS Health, Rite Aid, Target Up and Up, Velocity Pharma, Leader and Rugby. The FDA said investigators found unsanitary conditions in the manufacturing facility, and positive bacterial test results from environmental sampling for critical drug production areas in the facility. And the Rangers are just two wins away now from a first ever World Series title. Texas defeated the Arizona Diamondbacks 3 to 1 in game 3 of the World Series in Phoenix. The teams meet up again for game 4 tonight in Phoenix. And, of course, Matt, you'll be all hopped up on sugar, so you're going to stay up late and watch the game. We'll no
2: see. Probably not. I don't stay up no. late for anything these days.
3: I get you.
2: know, I mean, Same here. It is. Uh, you know, as as Deacon Steven and I were talking, You know, I might stay up to watch a little bit of Curse of the Were-Rabbit with yep. Wallace and Gromit.
3: Totally what we will be watching.
2: It's a fun one. It's a fun one.
3: The kids were watching, like, a sing-along version of The Nightmare Before Christmas last night. Oh,
2: well, there you go. This is
3: Halloween. This is Halloween.
2: Of course. I mean, I don't really do Halloween that big. It's Uh, not that... You know. um, I really do... I mean, All Saints Day is a great day for so many reasons. Liturgically... Uh, and regarding the communion of saints all of it but it's also a great day to go shopping for leftover Halloween candy oh yeah 50% off
3: 50% off
2: because the only thing the only difference between the uh, the Reese's that's 50% off and the Reese's that's full price is the bat on the bag yep it's the only difference
3: yep or the pumpkin
2: or the pumpkin pumpkin
3: what'd you carve in your pumpkin this year
2: uh the Hylian shield from Legend of Zelda
3: I have no idea what that is, but it sounds neat. Very, very Well, you very just neat. need to
2: play more Tears of the Kingdom animation.
3: I guess. I'll tell you what. Well, yeah, today, Tuesday, October the 31st, it is All Hallows' Eve. And as Matt was saying, the more important day to remember is tomorrow, All Saints' Day, which is a holy day of obligation. So do not stay up too late that you're not waking up early enough to go to Mass, or at least make plans During your lunch hour or tomorrow evening, check your local parish and get that plan in place so that you are ready to celebrate the Solemnity of All Saints tomorrow. It's 8 past. Back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Father Frank Donio from the Catholic Apostolate Center. Good morning, Father Frank.
12: Good morning, Anna.
3: It's good to have you back. And last week we were together, you were telling us about what the church means by apostolate. And of course, you run the Catholic Apostolate Center. Uh, can you just give us a, a quick definition as a refresher to start off this conversation?
12: I think the important thing to keep in mind with apostolate has to do with the, the baptized that confirmed uh, that when we have received baptism, we are then become part of the mission of Christ and His Church. And so going forth and doing apostolate is living our faith, through our words, through our deeds, in everyday life, wherever we may find ourselves. Some of that also manifests itself in organizations that are called apostolates. Interestingly enough, Catholic Apostolate Center is a ministry mm-hmm. of the Palatine Fathers and Brothers. The name Catholic Apostolate comes from what St. Vincent Pallotti created, whom we talked about before, in 1835, a group of lay people, religious and clergy, who were then called to go forth and be apostles. That's where the connection is, that sending forth as apostles.
3: Okay, and you mentioned that the Catholic Apostolate Center is a ministry, and that's what we are going to be talking about uh, for the bulk of our time together here, is, is ministry. What differentiates ministry from an apostolate?
12: Ministry is always done on behalf of the Church, there are no freelance ministers in the Catholic Church. In some of the other Christian communities, there are people who decide one day that they're going to go forth and do ministry in the name of Christ, and, on, and seemingly on behalf of the Church. But really, in, in Catholicism, all ministry is done, that's done on behalf of the Church in whatever way deacons, priests, bishops, lay people, uh, the work of religious, anything that's done on behalf of the Church and is sanctioned by the Church, it can have the name of ministry. The individual is doing ministry, or the others, and now, the ministry of the ordained is distinct from that which is named for laity, because that derives from baptism, but is again on behalf of the Church whereas the other is holy orders and the sacrament of holy orders. And so that there is a qualitative difference between that particular ministry of deacons, priests, and bishops and the ministry of, uh, of, the, uh, of a layperson doing pastoral work, for example, in the church.
3: Can you give us some examples of what would be—I think most people understand that a priest— is ministering because he's i mean to use kind of uh i don't know crass terms, the priest is employed by the church in a way um, so how does it work for for others who are are not priests um you know working on behalf of of their diocese or their parish?
12: So for example, people who are, uh, the the bishops of the United States have defined this as a, a group of lay ecclesial, what they call lay ecclesial ministers. So people who have leadership roles within parishes, this is not the only type of lay ministry. The people who are involved in liturgical ministries or various ministries of the parish, they may have a role, but the pastor oversees all of that, and it's done on behalf of the parish. With other ministries, lay ecclesial ministries, they include the a director or coordinator of religious education, uh, the, uh, a youth, or, or youth and young adult minister, a, uh, a person who is involved in liturgical or music ministry, but again, in a leadership role, uh, pastoral, what people who are called pastoral associates. Interestingly enough, the school principal, uh, a Catholic school principal is considered mm-hmm. a lay ecclesial minister by the bishops of the United sure. States because they are, they are responsible for not only the faith formation of the students but also of the faculty and the staff administration.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Father, why does this distinction between apostolate and ministry even matter to the church?:
12: it matters because there it, there are those who are doing certain things on behalf, and the purpose of of that is to assist others to be able to be formed to go forth as apostles or missionary disciples to to be to do apostolate. That's the piece that sometimes has been missing. Mm. It isn't about all the stuff simply the, all the stuff that happens at the parish, which some people get very focused on, and then that almost privatizes things. No. Instead, everyone is called to go forth. So the people who are doing this full-time or part-time within the parish community, their focus needs to be on their other brothers and sisters to prepare them to go forth. And so really that's the, that's the goal, is to, to go forth and to proclaim Christ by word and by deed.
3: Does that mean that ministry is better or greater than apostolate
12: no it doesn't mean that what it means is is that it's done it's on on behalf of the church for the people so you you won't be able to have your liturgical life you wouldn't be able to have uh, in particular the ministry of priests you wouldn't be able to to have uh, the the overall sacramental life faith formation and so forth unless this was unless this was appropriately organized by the church and also you you also be we have to be careful of people who just go off on their own and say i'm speaking this way on behalf of the church and there are people who do apostolate particularly those who may have a, a number go off and do a lot of speaking and so forth people start to believe that they're official teachers of the church they're not they're they're not doing this on Purely on behalf of the church, they're doing it because they feel called by the Holy Spirit to do that, and they, it's permitted to do that. The Second Vatican Council certainly gave that that sanction, if you will. But we have to recognize that 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 is not um, that that does not then equal that of the church's pastors, or um, or in the way in which we're we're functioning, in the way in which you prepare people. To go forth, um, so that's different than the parish or various other Catholic ministries, schools, uh, Catholic charities, these types of things that exist um, that are meant to to serve um, serve not only Catholics, particularly Catholic charities, but they're meant to serve all.
3: Yeah, thank you so much, Father Frank Donio. You can find the Catholic Apostolate Center linked at SunriseMorningShow.com. Let's take a look at weather across the nation. A potent cold front will slowly ease south across the eastern U.S. on this All Hallows Eve. This will mainly bring rain showers to the far southern plains, central Gulf Coast, southeast, and southern mid-Atlantic throughout today. There could be some lingering rain and mountain snow showers in the northeast this morning and early this afternoon. The northern plains and upper Mississippi Valley into the Great Lakes, Midwest, and Ohio Valley might see some light to moderate snow showers this evening. The western U.S. and a majority of the central and southern plains will get dry weather, but chilly to bitterly cold air will be in place for most of those areas we got headlines coming up next here on the sunrise morning show coming up on 17 past
2: support for the sunrise morning show is from visiting angels visiting angels provides experienced compassionate care to millions of aging adults nationwide by keeping them safe and healthy in the comfort of their own home whether it's a short break for caregivers or for long-term assistance, Visiting Angels provides hygiene, meals, light housework, companionship, and more. And services are available up to 24 hours per day. Visiting Angels, online at visitingangels.com. That's visitingangels.com.
11: Franchise opportunities available. For more than 150 years, the Comboni missionaries have traveled to nearly every corner of the world. Founded by St. Daniel Comboni, we are an international Catholic organization dedicated to ministering the world's poorest and most abandoned people. Your donations make a huge impact, and 95% are used to fund our many projects. Find out more at Combonimissionaries.org. That is, Combonimissionaries.org.
7: Business owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting The Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on The Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com.
13: The most original and exclusive Catholic content is on EWTN Radio.
14: One time somebody said to me, why don't you air these people? And I said, no, because I don't think they're Catholic.
2: He says, by what right do you have to
9: say that? I said, I own the network. (laughs) (laughs) Mother Angelica Live Classics. Tonight, 80's Turn on EWTN Television and Radio.
2: 19 past, here's Anna with headlines.
3: The Prime Minister of Israel is saying a ceasefire with Hamas would be a surrender for his country. The Vatican Secretary of State has expressed his support for a Ukrainian plan for peace recently put forward by the President of Ukraine. And Pope Francis met yesterday with women who have cut family ties with organized crime.
2: News at the top and bottom of each hour every weekday morning here on the Sunrise Morning Show. And while you were talking to Father Donio, uh, I was trying Hi. to figure out. I got my got my pumpkin out, and
3: Travis, you got to do me. a full screen on Matt here, yeah, so everybody uh, can see the pumpkin.
2: You see the pumpkin? It's the Hylian Shield. It's like a Zelda thing, but um, I've been doing this technique over the years, past few years with some, like a shading technique where uh-huh. you don't, like, cut all the way through the pumpkin. You just cut back, like, the orange part of oh, it. Oh, sure, some,
3: yeah. Will was doing some of that. Like
2: a translucent thing going mm-hmm. on. Um, and the first year that I did that, uh, I did it with uh, sort of, like, the text of the one ring from Lord of the Rings all the mm-hmm. way around the pumpkin. And it turned out really cool, so I've been wow. doing it ever since.
3: That sounds really intense. It was very intense. Yeah.
2: But I mostly, the most intense part of it was making sure that I got the elven language on the ring accurate to what it actually said on the ring, so I wasn't doing just, like, random Elvish symbols around because some mm-hmm. Lord of the Rings nerd would come after me and be like, that's not what that that's says. You misspelled what... it. So I gotta be careful about these kinds of things.
3: <laughs> I have no doubt that somebody the, would have...
2: be like, dude, you... You spelled was, ring wrong. Will was doing Elvis. that.
3: All the kids carved their own pump. Well, minus Agnes. Agnes did not carve her own pumpkin. We do not give her l- knives. But, like, Freddie, basically just did one big hole... <laughs> Why not? Pumpkin. Tommy has like a Cyclops pumpkin.
2: Sounds pretty like A lot of you love anything pumpkin-flavored, and others, well, not so much. But the Mystic Monks of Wyoming are taking care of both of you with their coffee.
3: That's right. Their seasonal favorite pumpkin spice blend is available, along with other normal flavors. And when you purchase them after clicking the Mystic Monk link at sunrisemorningshow.com, you earn us a commission.
2: While you're at our site, pick up a Sunrise Morning Show mug in our online store.
3: Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee
7: at sonrisemorningshow.com. Business owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's leah, at sacredheartradio.com. This is Father Rob
13: Jack from Mount St. Mary's Seminary in Cincinnati, Ohio, with the Sacred Heart Beat. The Sacred Heart of Jesus beats with a perfect love in His Church and for His Church. He asks us for a response to His love for us, and one way He asks us to respond the frequent attendance at Mass, and the reception of Holy Communion, particularly on the first Friday of every month. He promises us that we will receive special gifts by attending nine consecutive First Friday Masses. In this promise, Jesus reminds us that by approaching Him in loving humility and asking His forgiveness for our sins and those of the whole world, we may properly dispose our hearts and souls to be transformed in his divine love. Let us make a sincere effort to keep the First Friday devotion so that our broken hearts may be healed and through our love and presence a broken world will be made whole.
2: Father Rob Jack now joining us. He's host of Driving Home the Faith on Sacred Heart Catholic Radio in Cincinnati, which you hear, uh, if you're listening to Sacred Heart Radio, you hear on the drive home, quite obviously. Father Rob, good morning. Morning, Matt. So let's talk about the illuminative way of of prayer. Uh, This is something that uh, is part of like a three step process uh, that some of our listeners are familiar with. But the illuminative way, what do we mean by that? What comes before it? And You know, how does it pro- progress you in the spiritual life?
15: Well, one of the great paths of it, of course, we have really three steps in our prayer, which is what we call the purgative way in which we look at the, the obstacles that are in our life, that oftentimes either our sins or our inability to really focus on God, they put up roadblocks. And if we really want to draw closer to God, he, God has no roadblocks to us, but we got a whole lot of them to Him and what we do in the Purgative Way is we see what those are. Now, in the process of doing that, we also, though, must begin this part what we call mental prayer. You know, vocal prayer is very easy. That's just talking to God, and everyone does that every day, I hope. But beyond that, there's another type of prayer, which is meditative prayer, or what we call mental prayer. There's a lot of names for it, but they all mean about the same thing. And what they focus on, again, is listening to God and speaking to God, which is, of course, something that's a very unique uh, Christian, really Judeo-Christian practice.
2: So, with this question of meditation and, you know, mental prayer and all these things, I think because, you know, if I go to the grocery store and I'm going down the, uh, the checkout line and I see, like, three magazines about, like, fall recipes and about two magazines about mindfulness, right? Like, yeah. obviously the Christian take on these things is a little bit different than what I'm seeing on the magazine rack.
15: Oh, oh it is very much so. Oftentimes the, the, the goal in meditative prayer and the contemporary view is, is really kind of a form of navel-gazing, of thinking about us. But meditation, and it isolates pretty much with us, whereas in meditation we see we're looking for God. And so, in part of that, looking for God, we go through. Uh, first of all, we need time. This is something that we. This is something that is focused work meditation, and it could be focused on something going on in our life, some event that happened. What is God trying to tell me through this? But many of the times, it happens through, of course, taking a passage from sacred scripture, and especially, I always like to use the Gospels because here Jesus is actually speaking. So, if He says, for instance, uh, I demand that you take up your cross daily and follow me. Okay, what does that mean? So we take that scripture passage, and then after that's the per- first part, we take it, we concentrate on that passage, and then we go to the second part, which is we consider, okay, what, what are my crosses here? And what does it mean to say this is a cross? Is it a challenge? Is it a burden? What is that? And we spend time with that in prayer, and then we move from thinking about that. So, okay, God, This is what's going on. What what cross are you talking about? Are you talking about the fact that I use bad language and I shouldn't be using that and I need to focus on something else? And we talk, we we sort through that in our head, and then we go. The final part of of meditative prayer, really, is gratitude. Thank you, Lord, for taking time to talk with me today and and, uh, for me to listen to you and then make a decision. See, meditative prayer always has a goal with end, and then the goal is, of course, how can we be closer to God? You know, in vocal prayer, as I'm, through, as I'm driving through downtown, and God gives me a green light instead of red, I say, thank you, Lord, for this green light. Okay, that's not meditation. That's just gratitude. <laughs> I'll make it on time. But, but meditative prayer t- is really a personal conversation with God, in which God speaks, I listen, in which uh, I listen, and God speaks.
2: So what's interesting, Father, is that in my evangelical background, we were 100% against meditation. We, we thought that's like what the Buddhists and the New Agers do. But it turns out that the way that you're describing it is exactly how I was taught to pray in my evangelical Christian background, right? This is exactly how we were supposed to approach prayer. But at the same time, I mean, it can be a challenge for some Catholics who are just like, oh, it's time to pray. All right, well, let's recite, uh, you know, X, Y, and Z thing. Now, there's a, a place for Memorized and written prayers, but there ought to be a place also for these sort of just opening up your heart to God and having that conversation. We're meant to kind of have access to both to grow our prayer lives, aren't we?
15: Oh, it is. It really, you see, this is when we talk about prayer, of course, we, we use the different titles. One of them is vocal prayer, meditative prayer, and contemplative prayer. And what we see the goal for us is to learn to be still to God. And so vocal prayer is the starting off of the conversation, talking to the Lord and stuff. And we move from that then to just not using just from talking to actually now, okay, Lord what what are you trying to say to me and so in that you, you take about 15 minutes and you get yourself as calmed down as you could then you start working things through i prefer to do it in front of the boss you know the blessed sacrament we say okay lord we you have my undivided attention uh you know i know i have yours that's never the problem the question is do, do he does he have mine and then to spend that time every day listening and talking and having a good talk about it I said, Lord, this is really annoying. You started me on this. Why is this not working so well? And am I going on it the right way? And then I used, I said a scripture passage. And then from there, we move forward. But the goal of meditative prayer is always to make another step along the way. We need a goal, we need a, well, an intention at the end of that prayer. I've learned something today, and I'm going to put that into practice. And my behavior with others and with God and with myself.
2: Well, thanks so much, Father Rob Jack. You can find him linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. While you're there, please do consider putting your email address in there and subscribing. You can get the show notes delivered to your inbox daily. And in those show notes, you can find a link to the live stream of the show. So you can see things like the, uh, I don't know, look at the pumpkin that I carved that I had back here a minute ago. Put it on the ground. It was get pumpkin juice on my desk. That's no good. Luckily, you cannot see the pumpkin juice on my desk anymore on the live video stream. I managed to uh, to take care of that during the last break. Half past the hour, here's Anna Mitchell with news.
3: Good morning. It'll be back to work soon for United Auto Workers members. This after the union reached a tentative deal yesterday with GM, which puts an end to the strike that began more than six weeks ago. GM is the last of Detroit's big three automakers to reach a deal after the UAW reached an agreement with Stellantis over the weekend and with Ford earlier last week. The new deal includes boosts in wages and benefits, reduces an eight-year path to top wages down to three years, and allows the right to strike over any plant closures. The prime minister of Israel says a ceasefire with Hamas would be a surrender for his country. Mark Mayfield has more.
5: Speaking to his nation on Monday, Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu added he's committed to bringing the hostages home. He said Israeli forces have been going out of their way to avoid civilian casualties, while Hamas purposely puts civilians in harm's way. His speech came as Israeli forces expand air, sea, and ground operations against Hamas in Gaza. I'm Mark Mayfield.
3: The Biden administration says it does not support a ceasefire between Israel and Hamas at this time. National Security Council spokesman John Kirby told reporters yesterday that a ceasefire would only benefit Hamas. He said U.S. officials are working with Israeli counterparts to minimize civilian casualties in Gaza. And so Israel says it's expanding the ground operation in Gaza as fighting between the two stretches past the three week mark. More than 9,000 people have been killed in total on both sides of the conflict since Hamas attacked Israel on October 7th. Over the weekend, talks between the two sides to free some of the more than 200 hostages held by Hamas reportedly stalled. The Vatican Secretary of State has expressed support for a Ukrainian plan for peace recently put forward by Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky. Vatican News reports that representatives from more than 65 countries gathered in Malta over the weekend to talk about the plan for peace. Russia had not been invited. Cardinal Pietro Parolin sent a video message to the meeting saying, quote, it is a commendable effort, one worthy of support, not only because it is aimed at offering a concrete response to various types of damage caused by the war, but also because it encourages us not to consider armed confrontation as an unavoidable tool for resolving conflicts, quote. Pope Francis met yesterday with women who have cut family ties with organized crime, praising their courage. From Vatican Radio, Lisa Zingarini reports.
1: Addressing the group of 50 women accompanied by Don Luigi Ciotti, Pope Francis offered words of encouragement, reminding them that they are not alone in their struggles. He recalled that among Jesus' disciples there were also some women who, like men, were not perfect. They were women tested by life, sometimes infected by evil, and Jesus welcomed them with compassion and tenderness, said the Pope. With him they walked the path of liberation. Pope Francis therefore advised the group to always keep a small gospel with them and imagine being with the Lord Jesus among the disciples. In realtà è proprio così. Lui cammina con noi ogni giorno nella strada della vita. Indeed, the Pope said. This is exactly what happens. He walks with us every day on the road of life. His cross gives meaning to our crosses, and his resurrection is a source of hope. Concluding Pope Francis said he accompanies them with his prayers for them and their loved ones, especially their children. Don Luigi Ciotti founded Libera in 1995 The organization includes associations, unions and churches who have joined in an effort to challenge the power of corruption and organized crime while promoting social justice and human rights. I am Lisa Zingarini.
3: Gas prices nationwide are falling, with experts predicting they'll fall even more in the next couple of weeks. The Energy Department says the average price of gas nationwide was down six cents in the past week going to 3.49 a gallon. The cost of crude oil dropping is being attributed as the main cause. Three states are under $3 with Georgia coming in the lowest at 2.95 a gallon. California leads the country at 5.29. Yikes. It's 30- 30.
2: It's the season of chunky soup and chunky sweaters, which means it's also pumpkin coffee season. And the Mystic Monks have their pumpkin spice blend in stock and ready for you to enjoy.
3: And when you go to the Monks through SunriseMorningShow.com, we earn a commission on any flavor, coffee, or tea that you buy.
2: Why shell out five bucks for a tall PSL when you can customize your own at home and drink it from a Sunrise Morning Show mug that you can find in our online store.
3: Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee through SunriseMorningShow.com. This is Father Rob Jack with the heart of
13: St. Paul. Today... Many people are worried about identity theft. But there is something more important than our material identity, and that is our spiritual identity. St. Paul tells us our battle is purely a spiritual one, and so we need the armor of God. This armor consists of the girdle of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes of the gospel of peace, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. The girdle of truth helps us recognize our need for God. The breastplate of righteousness is our right behavior done with a humble and generous spirit. The shoes of the gospel of peace, whereby we go to meet others with confidence that God is with us. The shield of faith, which protects us from the doubts and uncertainties with which the devil tries to tempt us. The helmet of salvation, which is the grace of recognizing the goodness of what God has done for us. And lastly, the sword of the Spirit, whereby the teaching of God and his truth exposes the lies of the world and the emptiness of the world's message that seeks to abolish God from our hearts. St. Paul tells us that in the battle of good and evil, if we are clothed interiorly and exteriorly with these gifts, then this spiritual armor will help us prevail, because it is not we who prevail, it is Christ who prevails in us. And we hear this from the heart of St. Paul.
2: Sunrise Morning Show continues on this All Hallows' Eve. Tomorrow, of course, a holy day of obligation on the liturgical calendar. So check those mass times. Make the plan now. Some of you can go to the vigil this evening. Maybe you can go at one of the many times offered in your area tomorrow. Check those parish bulletins. Get it on the calendar. Steve Ray now joining us from CatholicConvert.com. Steve, good morning.
16: Good morning. I'm going to be on EWTN live with Father Mitch Pacwa tomorrow evening.
2: So just you got to tell him I that. say hello. I had dinner with him at the Catholic Radio Conference, and he is uh, he is nothing if not entertaining. I'll tell you that.
16: Oh, I'm looking forward to. I'll be with him in the afternoon, and then on his live show tomorrow night, uh, we're going to talk about my book on Genesis. So
2: very good. And of course, it. Father Mitch a top-flight uh, Scripture scholar, so I bet that's going to be a fascinating discussion. Um,
16: I'm looking forward to it.
2: Well, speaking of the Old Testament, uh, we're going through the mysteries of the Rosary, doing a series on them. We've gotten to the Luminous Mysteries, and uh, there's some Old Testament echoes in this first mystery of the baptism in the Jordan, because people are wondering about John the Baptist, who's doing all these baptisms, and uh, calling him uh, the Elijah who was to come. Jesus even talks about him like that. So why is this Elijah imagery associated with John, who is baptizing in the River Jordan?
16: These are wonderful mysteries. I'm glad that uh, Pope John Paul II added them to the rosary. And when Elijah was assumed into heaven in the fiery chariot, everybody remembers that story. He was taken up into heaven at the very place along the Jordan River where John is baptizing now and the last prophet in the old testament Mal- uh, Malachi says that at the end of when the before the great and awesome day of the Lord Elijah will return to announce him and to prepare the way well so they were kind of waiting for Elijah to, John the Baptist is dressed the same way with a camel hair and leather belt. So he looks just like Elijah. He's preaching at the very place where Elijah was taken up. So the Pharisees came down and it says all of Jerusalem went down to see him. So when you pray this mystery, think of that. All of Jerusalem going 20 miles down to the lowest place on the face of the earth to see John the Baptist baptizing. He looks and sounds just like Elijah. And they, they look up and they said, you know what, John the Baptist, are you Elijah? He went up from here. Did you just come back down like Malachi said you're going to do? So they thought he was Elijah. And Jesus said, in case you want to know, he is the Elijah who is to come. He came in the power and the spirit of Elijah. So when you're th- thinking of this mystery while you're praying it, think of Elijah going up into heaven right at the place where John the Baptist is baptizing.
2: You know, I, I can't help but, but laugh. Um, about a month ago, Bear Grills the survivalist uh, was in the Holy Land, and I think he's—I think he has like an Anglican background. I'm not entirely sure, but he went and got baptized there in the Jordan River. And I started thinking about Bear Grylls. He—he he mentioned that his that John the Baptist was his hero. And I started thinking about it's like Bear Bear Grylls lives in the wilderness and eats bugs, like. I can see the connection here. I can
16: see the connection here. <laughs> I ate a grasshopper once there. I said to people, John the Baptist ate grasshoppers. By the way, it was one of the clean foods. Look up Le- Leviticus 11.22 says that the Jews could eat grasshoppers, crickets, and locusts. So one day I said to the people while I was down there, if you find a, cr- a grasshopper, I'll eat it. And these four smart alecks found this big wiggly four-inch grasshopper, and they brought it to me. So what are you going to do? And I said, well, I love living the Bible in the Holy Land. So I chucked the grasshopper in, chewed him up, and swallowed him. My wife said, oh, Steve, you, I can't believe you did that.
2: <laughs> yeah, hey, uh, they're uh, a little bit of a nutty taste. Uh,
16: guys, but, uh, uh, yeah, it tasted like wet grass, actually.
2: Well, let's talk about something it. that tastes a little bit better, because <laughs> we've gone to the second uh, luminous mystery, the wedding at Cana. Uh, there are so many things that could be said here. Uh, it's often referred to as Jesus' first miracle, but that's not what John says about it, right?
16: Right, John never uses the word miracle in his gospel. I have a book on this I wrote on John's gospel and he only uses the word sign. What does a sign do? It points you to something. Like if there's an exit sign, it says, go this way to go out. What did the seven signs There are seven of them, which is the perfect number, the number of God and perfection. That's right there indicating also that he is pointing to the divinity of Christ. These seven signs point to the divinity of Christ. And there we have the six stone jars, which are only for the Jews. They're only for washing external things. And they're not for the whole world, only for the Jews. Jesus, when he's on the cross, he becomes the seventh jar because six is the imperfection. Seven makes this perfection. Jesus becomes the seventh jar. So in the beginning of the Gospel of John, you have the the water for cleansing in six stone jars. Jesus makes it even seven on the cross where the water comes from him. And now the water of cleansing is for the whole world and it cleans us on the inside out and not just external. So there are so many things about that wedding feast of Cana that we could talk about. You know, and also there's where Mary uh, said to jesus to do a mir- to do the sign or the miracle but she didn't talk to him she just can't, she did but she said uh they have no wine that's the last thing she said to him and then jesus mother my hour has not yet come i can't start my ministry yet because when i do the clock starts ticking down to the cross are you sure you want me to do that first sign and start the clock ticking and mary doesn't even talk to him she says to the servants do whatever he says and she walked away and then jesus did what his mother said we sing the song, gentle woman. In a way, you got to say, tough Jewish mother. <laughs>
2: <laughs> doesn't roll off the tongue the same way, though, Steve. Doesn't? No, it doesn't. You're Not right. as good of a lyric. Uh, but you know, I want to move on to this third mystery uh, as well. And this is one that whenever I talk to people and they have trouble kind of getting a visual for it, it's the proclamation of the kingdom of God. Um, and, yep. you know, I always go to the Sermon on the Mount. And I think this yes. is an interesting—because you and I are talking through microphones and— you know, speakers and computers and technology going to towers and stuff. But Jesus, in proclaiming the kingdom, especially on the Sermon on the Mount, would have used some of the things that his dad made as natural voice amplifiers, right? Right. You and I
16: use the technology of the day, radio waves. And now... You go back there. This is where we pray that mystery. When we go on pilgrimages, we pray every mystery on location. And we pray this on the side of the Mountain of Beatitudes. And one of the interesting things is he's speaking to probably 20,000 people. So how in the world did he do that without a microphone? Well, just like the ancient Greeks and Romans, they built their theaters on the water's edge so that the breeze would carry the voice up. I have been on the top of the Mount of Beatitudes at night, Matt, and been able to hear the fishermen out on the middle of the Sea of Galilee talking to each other. Not even yelling, but talking. You can hear their voices because the breeze carries it right up the mountain. So I don't think Jesus went to the top of the mountain. It says he went up a high mountain, but I don't think he was at the top of it. He was at the lower part. Like if you go to an orchestra, the orchestra is in the orchestra pit and the people are sitting above. I think Jesus was on the mountain, but speaking up and the people were like in this Theater-shaped uh, conclave area of that mountain, and he could speak in the and the breeze carried it up. So when you pray this mystery, the proclamation of the gospel, think of Jesus on the Mount of Beatitudes with the breeze behind him carrying it up, so that twenty thousand people can hear him.
2: Yeah, it's uh, it's a. A uh, fascinating thing. I mean, anybody who's been on a lake in the summer and heard somebody blaring country music like a mile and a half away across that <laughs> lake, and you can hear it like they're next to you, understands that that audio principle. Uh, the institution right. of the Eucharist, uh, we've been saying so much about this with the Eucharistic Revival, uh, but the one thing that I was pointing out in my OCIA class this week is that isn't it interesting that if you're reading the, uh, the narratives of all the things that are eaten, there's one main food that would have been at every Passover meal that doesn't get mentioned in the Last Supper accounts, and that's the lamb.
16: Right. And and also there's no priest. You have to have a priest that kills the lamb and then you have to cook the lamb and eat the meat of the lamb. That is the two essential elements of the Passover meal. And yet we hear neither one of those two being prepared in the upper room in Matthew, Mark, Luke. John doesn't do it, he, he doesn't have the, the institution. So, but then I say in my talks on the Eucharist, wait a minute, there is a lamb in the upper room, isn't there? Well, yes, it's Jesus, he's the lamb, he's the Passover lamb that's being sacrificed here. Oh, and there's a priest too. <laughs> the priest is Jesus, he's both the priest and the lamb. And that's why he says, this is my body, because in the Passover meal, you have to eat the meat of the lamb. You can't get up and leave until you eat the meat of the lamb. And Jesus is saying, I am the lamb. This is my body. You have to eat this before we get up and go. It's just when you study the scriptures like this, especially in relation to the Old Testament, it's unbelievable how everything fits together so well and is so Catholic.
2: Yeah, well, I you'll notice that I uh, skipped over the fourth mystery to get straight to number five. The fourth mystery is the Transfiguration, and we could do six hours on that one. All <laughs> <But>, oh, easy. <laughs> but I encourage people to go to catholicconvert.com and check out some of Steve's great resources as we continue to look at the mysteries of the Rosary. Have fun with Father Mitch tonight, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Matt. All right. Chris McGregor joins us next with a great reading from the Office of Readings from St. Bernard of Clairvaux, that points to the reality of the communion of saints ahead of All Saints Day tomorrow. It is 14 till.
4: Pro-life across America, the people. It's
14: not over. Unplanned pregnancies still happen. I'm Marian Kowarski, director of Pro Life Across America. In my 30-plus years, I've never seen such a concerted attempt to silence our efforts and at a time when it's most needed. There's a powerful effort to prevent and block our pro-life messages. Our billboards, social media, and digital ads are all impacted. Our messages feature a hotline number connecting callers with more than 3,000 pregnancy support centers across America, offering alternatives to abortion, free ultrasound, and pregnancy assistance. Babies' lives are being saved. The need still exists. It really does. And Pro-Life Across America needs your help. Please find us at ProLifeAcrossAmerica.org.
12: Did you know I could suck my thumb before I was born? Yep, we all started small. Pro-Life Across
2: We know a lot of you love anything pumpkin-flavored, and others, well, not so much. But the Mystic Monks of Wyoming are taking care of both of you with their coffee.
3: That's right. Their seasonal favorite pumpkin spice blend is available, along with other normal flavors. And when you purchase them after clicking the Mystic Monk link at sunrisemorningshow.com, you earn us a commission. While
2: you're at our site, pick up a Sunrise Morning Show mug in our online store.
3: Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com.
9: Hi, this is Mike Aquilino with a few words about St. Irenaeus. It's only recently that Pope Francis has declared him to be a doctor of the church. And this is unusual because he's been dead for many centuries, almost two millennia. But I think he's a man for our time because he's teaching us to think, to have an educated faith, to know the reasons for what we believe, and then present those to a skeptical world. Hi, this is Cy Kellett. Join us later today on Catholic Answers Live as we do our best to explain and defend the Catholic faith. Catholic Answers Live, 6 p.m. Eastern on EWTN Radio. Now, back to Sunrise Morning Show. 11
2: till, here's Anna with headlines.
3: The United Auto Workers strike against the big three Detroit automakers is ending with General Motors agreeing yesterday to a tentative contract agreement. The Latin Patriarch of Jerusalem this weekend consecrated the Holy Land to the Blessed Virgin Mary. But meanwhile, the Israeli Prime Minister says a ceasefire with Hamas would be a surrender for his country. And Pope Francis met yesterday with women who have cut family ties with organized crime, praising their courage. You can hear news at the top and bottom of each hour right here on The Sunrise Morning Show. It's 11 till... Back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Chris McGregor from DiscerningHearts.com. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, Anna. Happy All Hallows' Eve. Thank you. And to you as well. And of course, All Hallows' Eve indicates what is really important about today, not dressing up and getting candy, but remembering that tomorrow is a great, great feast, a solemnity on the liturgical calendar And so, our selection for this week's office from the Office of Readings this week is for the Solemnity of All Saints. And of course, our boy, St. Bernard of Clairvaux, would be the saint chosen for this great feast.
14: Yeah, I think he is second only to St. Augustine in -hmm. the Office of Readings, having. Many of his beautiful sermons that lead us into the depth of God's love, our prayer life. So many things to love about this doctor of the church, St. Bernard of Clairvaux. So again, we just encourage people, don't we, to go to the Office of Readings. They're right there for you and join in what all of the church, the Holy Church in Unity, are praying and reflecting on, especially on this great holy day.
3: Yeah, absolutely, and I love how he takes us right to the heart of the matter of why we celebrate a feast like this of all the saints, because as he points out at the very beginning here, like, what do the saints care if we're partying <laughs> here on earth about it? They're up in mm-hmm. heaven really enjoying their communion with the Lord, and yet there's so much more to this feast than than simply just celebrating the fact that they are there, although that is a big part of it.
14: Yeah, he's he's saying it's not so much for them but it's actually a good thing for us because mm-hmm. it brings them up into our memories into our hearts because it, when we venerate their their memories he says we don't serve um them there there's it's for us. I tell you when I think of them I feel myself inflamed by a tremendous yearning. Yes. And that's what he's saying that the saints inspire us, they arouse us. Our desire to be with them—they're that great, great cloud of witnesses that are saying, "Join us, strive to be with us." Where, in heaven, yeah. in the in the in the unity of the Holy Spirit with the Father and the Son and the Great Trinity—it's just so glorious, isn't it?
3: It is. And one thing that I I love about this reading is is sort of the progression that St. Bernard has here, because of course, for the Feast of All the Saints, I mean, we, we often turn our attention to our favorite saints, the saints we know who are canonized, but we are in fact also celebrating saints who are unknown, uh, who have not been canonized by the Church, are not on the liturgical calendar, but are saints in heaven nonetheless. And and those would include, God willing, our, our loved ones. And this is something, Chris, that has really stood out to me or has really affected me um, ever since the, the death of, of my infant nephew um, a few months ago. Uh, the prayer of commendation at his funeral, um, which, which prayed that with his death, that his parents would long for heaven all the more because they longed to be reunited with him. And that can be such that can be the first step for many of us in in longing all the more for heaven is to be reunited with our loved ones.
14: That is that is that is so beautiful, Anna, because the thing is, our hearts are longing to be reunited with the ones we love because we want to be whole, right yeah. there's there's something that's missing because their presence is no longer with us. And so we want to be whole again in what? In their love. It's a union of love. Yeah. So what's what's that whole? We want to be, we grow in holiness. That's what, it, and when we are in heaven, we are once again made whole, completely satisfied with such joy and such longing that the, that's what our hearts should be striving for. You know, we often hear, and we hear this in um, St. Bernard too, that we, we want to be uh, brought into the glory of God. He says it's okay to desire that, to be in his glory, not necessarily to make us a great saint. We want to be a great saint so I can say, hey, uh, you know, I'm one of the greatest. <laughs> right. No, because by being a great saint, we are, we're closer to God. Our hearts want to be so close to him. That's, what, that's the greatness of our striving and this universal call to holiness. We want to get as close as we can, and the saints want to cheer us on because they know the joy and the yearning that uh, our, our, our hearts desire.
3: Yeah, they yearn for us to be with them as well and so we have you know our loved ones those that that we knew but then of course like i was saying before oftentimes our minds on on an all saints day go to those canonized saints those great saints like how cool would it be to hang out with saint bernard of clairvaux like that should that should spur us on to greater holiness as well so we can go chat with him in heaven
14: I just want to hang out with Zelle Martin. I know. She's become such a great yes. friend of mine, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, Therese and Elizabeth of the Trinity, but also uh, Jonna Mala, and say oh, thank man. you. Yeah. Thank you for being such a witness to life. So many others. I mean, I could. we we
3: probably could do this for hours. I know, yeah. <laughs> just talk about all the saints we want to hang out with. Yep, That's absolutely. Right.
14: But the thing is, you know, what he says to us, and it's very important, he takes a quick turn when he says... But we don't we don't desire it. We don't even think no. about it. Tomorrow is the day to begin again. Or actually right now. Right now. Begin again. Start thinking about heaven and the saints today.
3: Absolutely. And all of this then leads to our longing to be with our Lord, to be in communion with him in heaven, the ultimate aim of attaining that glory of heaven. A beautiful, beautiful reading from St. Bernard of Clairvaux in the Office of Readings for the Solemnity of All Saints. We've been talking about it with Chris McGregor. You can find DiscerningHearts.com, linked at SunriseMorningShow.com. Be sure to hit the subscribe button to uh, get it all in your inbox. Chris, so good talking to you. Thank you so much. Stay warm today with your kiddos when you're out there. (laughs) (laughs) I'll do my best. All right. That'll do it for this national edition of the Sunrise Morning Show. May God bless you and keep you and grant you his peace.